It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Hey, everybody, it's Greg Gutfeld. I am excited, as always, to have here with me today Dr. Gad Sad, who is professor of marketing at Concordia University and the former holder of the Concordia University Research Chair in Evolutionary Behavioral Sciences and Darwinian Consumption. Before him, it was Ruth Buzzy. That's a terrible joke because it doesn't make any sense. He's also the host of the Sad Truth Podcast, and he's here to talk about his new, fantastic, insightful book, The Parasitic Mind. What a great title. How Infectious Ideas Are Killing Common Sense. How you doing, Doc? Oh, I'm doing so well. So good to be with you again, Greg. It is my pleasure. I want to ask you, first off, a fairly, uh, I don't know, maybe it's a dumb question, uh, but there are no such thing as dumb questions, I've been told. So you you talk about idea pathogens uh, that are killing common sense and rational debate, which I believe you're absolutely right is true. But I want to ask you, is this an analogy or is this the actual thing? You know, like analogies aren't the actual thing. Or is this actually, could you actually like show that this is a pathogen? Do you know, am I, is that a weird question? Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an actual pathogen in that it is rewiring your neuronal circuitry to mm-hmm. cause you to behave in maladaptive ways, right? So in the same way that, for example, someone who suffers from anorexia nervosa, who weighs 70 pounds as an adult woman will look at herself in the mirror and truly believe that she is overweight, right. even though she is at that point a skeleton. So so it's not just sort of a, a, a poetic prose you know, um, analogy. It is genuinely the case that not only can we succumb to actual brain worms, but we could succumb to idea pathogens. So, mm-hmm. so the, 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 the comparison is apt. Got it. And so um, I like the phrase brain worms. Uh, should be a band. What... Uh, Give me an example of a contemporary idea pathogen. Right. So probably the granddaddy of them all, but I I go through a whole bunch of the book, is postmodernism. Because Mm -hmm. postmodernism attacks the epistemology of truth because it basically says there are no truths with a capital T. Everything is constrained by subjectivity. Everything is constrained by our personal biases. So there's no point to ever talk about objective truths. Now, you might imagine how that's a terribly anti-scientific position because Mm -hmm. scientists do wake up every day thinking that there are regularities in the world that they want to uncover. So it's a form of intellectual terrorism, if you like. Yeah. And so what you're seeing, though, is, I mean, I made the error, uh, and a lot of people did, thinking that this sort of thing, this idea pathogen, dies when you leave uh, college. Like, you have these terrible majors, but when you get into the real world, um, nobody's going to hire you because... If you don't believe in if if you don't believe in absolute truth or if you if you believe that nothing really exists, you're going to be a terrible terrible employee. But as it right. turns out, they're all finding jobs. They're all in human resources. Uh, you, yeah. you 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 get on your you get you get on your work email and you're being told you have to undergo unconscious bias training, and and yeah. you're like, what do I do? It's like this is weird. And you're watching like in California. I just saw something tweeted about um, the sex education. Uh, in, in some of these schools is born specifically from the fact that there is no uh, s- there's no gender 
That's like you can't, you know, the girls aren't really girls. Boys aren't really girls. Somebody gets suspended from Twitter for saying uh, only women get cervical cancer because, of course, you know, men who identify – there are women who identify as men. They get cervical cancer too. So this stuff is – it's like it's not – this – I guess the thing is it is contagious and it's spreading. and you're exactly right that it's not at all something that only exists within the, you know, rarefied, highfalutin world of academia because ideas have consequent mm-hmm. consequences. The students that we indoctrinate and brainwash in our universities eventually become prime minister of Canada. Yes. Uh, so, for example, Justin Trudeau is a walking manifestation of every single idea pathogen covered in the parasitic mind. Mm-hmm. So it is absolutely untrue for people to think, oh, but, you know, Dr. Saad, why do you spend so much time on this? It's just a bunch of bozos, you know, spreading silly stuff in academia. No, it isn't. Mm-hmm. It's now made its way to every nook and cranny of society. Oh, it's. I mean, the fact is, it, it, you know, I, I probably can't talk about it, but, I mean, people who work in offices are facing this. And, I, you know, I there's... um. There's some stark examples of the before and after of when when somebody gets uh, infected by this idea pathogen. And, I, you know, you, you could throw in critical race theory, any kind of, of um, trying to think of a way to if you look on the street and you see the people that are protesting you and you look at let's say you take a before and after picture of somebody before they were radicalized and infected and after they were radicalized and infected, you will see. An attractive kind of wholesome, normal person prior, the before picture. But then the after is a a person whose body has been mutilated, who's embra- kind of uh, uh, embraced a mentally deranged public persona. And you see them in the protests and you go like, those people didn't always look like that. There's a person who's a daughter of a prominent politician who is a perfect example of this. I don't want to mention her, but it's like there are pictures of her of like when just a few years ago, normal. And then she was radicalized by uh, this idea pathogen. And you look and you go, but you're not allowed to say, oh, my God, she's covered in uh, homemade tattoos. She shaved her head. She she. Uh, she goes to protest. She's partially naked almost all the time. You cannot say, oh, my God, this is this is bad. You can't say that because that. So, be- well, I, well, I can. You can. I do. I can't. <laughs> but you can. You know what I mean? Though? I, I do. And I sorry. You know what I mean, though, that you can actually see yeah, yeah, yeah. the physical consequences. So let me let me speak. Let me give two examples that speak to your general sort of mm-hmm. physical appearance of the social justice warrior. So right. in the book, I talk about why is it that many of these uh, pro- protesters have you know uh, colored hair, mm-hmm. and there I use something from evolutionary theory. There's something in in biology called aposematic coloring. Mm-hmm. So if you take, for example a Amazonian frog that lives in a very dangerous neighborhood. There's all sorts of really nasty predators that are looking to make a meal out of you. Well, those frogs are actually very brightly colored. Mm -hmm. So you would say, how could natural selection select for a conspicuous color when the idea would be for you to be camouflaged? Well, those conspicuous colors are basically saying, hey, if you could see me, you better stay away from me. I'm advertising that you don't want to mess with me. I'm poisonous. Well, I argue not very facetiously that the red coloring and the blue coloring of the social justice warriors is signaling a form of ideological fierceness. You don't Mm -hmm. want to mess with me. 
I'm right. angry. So that's one. Can I can I mention another quick one? Yeah, but to your just to your point, to that point, yeah. that explains the mug shots when they approximate an an unstable eyeballing. Have you seen that? Do you know when they <laughs> Bingo, do the they, they, Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. You had another one. Yeah. But the second one is so there is something in zoology uh, that was first the term was first introduced in the 1970s. Uh, the fancy scientific term is kleptogamy, but the the more colloquial term is sneaky effort, and you can fill in the rest of the F, yes. the F part, right? Got a it. sneaky effort is when you have a species where typically there are two types of males. There is a dominant-looking male, and then there is a another male who looks phenotypically m- more like a female. So what he will hopefully try to do is fool the dominant male into thinking that he is a female so that he could let him through and so that he could sneak in some surreptitious coupling. And this is known as kleptogamy because you're literally stealing a mating opportunity. Well, I argue that male social justice warriors are exactly pursuing a sneaky effort strategy, right? They demonstrate how gentle and nurturing and caring and noble and progressive they are so that hopefully they can get the pretty girl. And you see that, by the way, in teenage movies. If you think back about Pretty in Pink back in the mid-80s, Ducky, the classic, uh, you know, uh, sidekick, was exactly pursuing a sneaky effort strategy. Sneaky efforts don't look like Navy SEALs. And so if you took a mugshot of all those uh, blue-haired guys, they don't look like they're out to kill bin Laden. No. No, and and I think the thing is – it is kind of a strat. If you're not a jock in high school, it pays to be kind of the sullen poet who smokes cloves. But this takes it to a whole nother a, a whole nother level. You even see you can even see in that strategy by um, rejecting your gender identification, but still maintaining your he- heterosexuality, but saying I don't I identify as a woman, but I also like women. So you're like you're you're actually. You're actually push, taking that idea and pushing it even further by saying, "Okay, I'm not only an SJW, but I am a I am also I d- identify as a woman, but I'm also a lesbian, as a male identifying as a woman who likes women." And it's like, I mean, that's pretty impressive. That, that is some impressive mental gymnastics. I'll give you that, <laughs> indeed. But you do. Uh, by the way, aren't, before aren't, we go on, sure. Can, can I, I just want to because this is probably the thing that needs to be most highly visible on your CV. Mm-hmm. In chapter five footnotes of the parasitic mind, footnote 28, I'm about to read you something. Okay. Many thanks to Greg Gutfeld of Fox News for having alerted me to this highly relevant paper. You got a shout out in Dr. Saz, the parasitic mind. You can retire, sir. I Okay, I'm, now I'm going, now I'm, I'm, what page is that on? Because I have to look at it. Uh, so okay, what, what was the paper? It was the it was the paper on the prevalence induced concept change in human judgment. I don't know if you remember. Oh that yeah, paper. yeah, yeah. I love that. That's the. Um, was I talking about? It was. Was it about? Um, uh, per, uh, judges. So let me tell you. What. So 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 for example, if I show you, I, I want you to point to what are blue dots. But if I first show you a bunch of dots that look purplish, you will start altering your perceptual mechanism so that you attribute more dots as being blue, right? Right. So you, right? So I use that mechanism as part of an explanation that I discuss in the book about what I call the homeostasis of victimology, right? Mm -hmm. A homeostatic homeostatic system is like, for example, the thermostat in the room that you're in. Right. You set it at, at 70 degrees and then it either adjusts up or down depending on what the current temperature is. Well, I argue 
that collective victimology operates using the same homeostatic system, right? Mm -hmm. We need to maintain a certain level of victimhood in society. If we can't achieve it, then we'll manufacture it. We'll make it up. We'll just see smallet it, mm -hmm. smallet it, right? Mm -hmm. But we have to always maintain the narrative that we live in a racist Nazi society. Mm -hmm. Wow. I'm just still kind of uh, gloating silently over being a footnote in your book. I, uh, you know, I did check the I checked the index, and I wasn't in the index. I was heartbroken. So here's my question: uh, uh, With the exception of people like you and the and um, Brett Weinstein and Eric Weinstein and Dave Rubin and Sam, Sam Harris, why? Where are the moderate, let's say, traditional liberals uh, who normally champion free speech? They're not taking up this battle. I mean, you got Barry Weiss now, uh, and yeah. uh, um, but it's, it's because of the what happens to them after they do it. I mean, Barry Weiss was just uh, basically mobbed at the New York Times, and I mean, is it is this yeah, the death of liberalism? Is liberalism dying and being replaced by some kind of zombie hysteria? It is, and by the way, uh, the zombie metaphor is a very apt one in my book because, for example, when I talk about political correctness. I argue that political correctness is akin to the parasitic wasp, right? What does right. the parasitic wasp do? It stings a much bigger spider, right? zombifying it, mm -hmm. and then drives it into its burrow, lays an egg so that the offspring, when they they hatch, they eat the spider in vivo. Right. Well, political correctness is exactly the parasitic wasp's sting. It, it lulls us slowly to walk into the abyss of infinite lunacy quietly, right? Yeah. Now, regarding the people that you mentioned, if I can toot my horn, mm -hmm. whatever they're doing, they're not doing it from the cesspool of academia, right? right. Brett Weinstein is not in academia anymore. Uh, Eric Weinstein has not been in academia ever. Uh, mm -hmm. Sam Harris has never been in academia. So let me tell you, if you think they have it tough, try to be in <laughs> academia and take the positions that I do. The Nobel Prize should be coming my way any minute now. Yeah, don't hold your breath. You know, um, I, I should have probably a better anal uh, uh, comparison might have been those uh, uh, professors that uh, that created those hoax papers because I get, oh, they, yes. yeah, they were great. I, I had one, one of the one of those guys on my podcast a while back. That was great. Um Oh, I had a great question for you. Damn it. And then I got lost into listening to your silky voice. Um, exactly. Oh, here it here's um okay, so I I was gonna ask you, is there a way to to end end this what I would believe to be as an era of of hysteria? I mean, it's it's up like the tulip craze or the witch trials or the Spanish Inquisition. Uh, will we get through this? And my next question is, can you create like a voluntary school of deprogramming. Like you can't like – like back in the days when in the 70s with the cults, people actually hired deprogrammers to get their right. kids out of uh, Ekin Carr or any kind of like um, the Moonies or the Unification Church or whatever um, or Krishna. But in this case, I mean you can't do that. You you And, and I don't even know if uh, – is there – how do you – if you're a parent or for family, how do you how do you pull somebody out of this? Yeah, so in, in Chapter 7, I actually discuss uh, some epistemological tools that we can use in navigating through some of these debates. Uh, but but before I maybe answer that, let mm -hmm. me sort of give you the, the quicker answer. Sure. You, you really need to activate your inner honey badger. And let me explain why I use mm -hmm. that particular uh, 
metaphor. A honey badger is extraordinarily fierce. It's the size of a small dog, mm-hmm. and yet it, it withstand the approach of you know six adult lions. Why can it do that? Because it is so extraordinarily ferocious that they are actually intimidated by its ferocity. Mm-hmm. Well, I argue that we have to uh, have that similar reflex when we are defending our principles. If our principles are truly well-reasoned and well-articulated, you should never back down. So let me give you a very concrete example of that. Okay. So a few days ago, I wrote a very polite but very firm letter to the principal of my children's uh, elementary school because their science teacher had put up a BLM avatar, you know, as part of the science, uh, you know, portal. Right. And so I wrote and I said, listen, in the pursuit of her pedagogic duties, it is inappropriate for her to be advertising political positions. I teach, you know, 40 year old doctoral students and I don't infest them with my political views. I might weigh in on politics, but as a public intellectual, not as a professor in the classroom. So that's the number one reason why she's wrong. And then I said, secondly, how is it that that she is advertising proudly BLM? when it is a Marxist organization that's a black supremacist organization that specifically has a narrative of anti-white hatred. Do you not have white children in your classroom? Mm -hmm. So please remove it. Within 12 hours, it was removed. So what did it take? It took for me, a honey badger, to say I'm going to take the time to approach this principle, and I'm going to win that interaction. Now, imagine, Greg, if everyone did that, we would get rid of the idea of pathogens in 14 seconds. The problem is that there is a collective inaction. Everybody diffuses the responsibility on a few of us because everybody is cowed into silence, and then the intellectual terrorists win. All right, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Precise, personal, powerful. Is America's weather team in the palm of your hands? Get Fox weather updates throughout your busy day, every day. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. So there's a couple of elements here. The phrase is like people refuse to share the risk. If they all shared the risk, this would end. The reason they don't is because of fear. I'm scared. I mean, the fact is, I think A... You got to be independently wealthy. I don't know if you are. You got to be. You got to be. You got to be an independent, meaning you got to be somebody who owns your own business. But even then, YouTube can shut you down. Like if you are a Ruben or whatever, uh, they can go after you. But if you're working at a company where they could uh, go after advertisers, you're going to be scared. Uh, They could go to your company's boss anywhere and say, like, you're. uh, I just noticed the construction worker there was wearing a MAGA hat. Um, and he's got to take off that MAGA hat because he's on like company, he's on, you know, company, uh, property, blah, blah, blah. And so you have these things. People are just like, you know what? I can't fight this by myself. And by the way, I got to feed my kids and I'm terrified of these people because you know who the, 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 the evil twin of the honey badgers are, are the unemployed, uh, um, activists who have all this time to create lynch mobs to destroy you. You know, you've seen them. They will, they will like, they will spend an inordinate amount of life of their life chasing down one person and trying to destroy them. And I think, you know what? I think that strategy you're talking about has already been implemented by them. And I think that we're like, I think that right now we're just scared. And it's, it's, and it's absurd because we're talking, you know, Gad, we're talking about what, 20,000 people? Most, exactly. not even that, right? 20,000 mentally ill people are basically have corporations, the media, ac- 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 academia, all on their knees. And it's all because of this weird delusion 
that makes them think that if they don't do something, they're going to lose everything. When in fact, everybody could just say this enough. And it's like, but people are just, it, it's such a, it's really distressing. And I'll get to my next point. It's distressing to me because we're sanctioning an acceptance of violent behavior. And I, in my, I'm going to see this happening during the election because the same people we're talking about are the same people that are going to torch the cities if they don't. Well, it doesn't matter what happens during the election. There's going to be riots in America, yeah. and it's going to be. And if if if, if Trump ekes out a a win, it's going to be arson. It's going to be cities on fire because we sanctioned um, that as some kind of justice, and that through your through the prism of of what you what your book is about uh you know it's oh, it, 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 this idea pathogen well look uh, let me let me address the the fear component i i understand the the dangers that people uh you know think mm-hmm. of and i'm not suggesting that people should be reckless martyrs yeah but a couple, couple of points number one the the young men who landed on normandy were not granted safe passage on those beaches right yeah greg gutfeld and gad sad can sit now and have this podcast because a whole bunch of those guys decided yeah okay i'll sign up to go and get squashed like a little bug right because i believe in freedom so whatever fear that you're experiencing i'm not minimizing it yeah but there are much greater fears out there number two true some of us come from societies where we know what happens when nobody speaks out. I come from Lebanon. We're Lebanese Jews who escaped execution in Lebanon because of our heritage. So I know, for example, what the downstream effect, what the final stop on the train of identity politics is, and it's not a pretty one. I know what happens to a society when not enough people stand up to protect it in terms of its foundational values. So yes, I understand you're afraid to lose your job and you're afraid that the guy's going to unfriend you on, on Facebook and you're afraid of this or that. But you have to contextualize those fears against what will happen in 20, 30, 50 years if we don't collectively find our spine and grow some testicular fortitude. If we don't, we will lose our societies. There's nothing magical about the the, the wonder of the West. It needs to be protected every second of every day. And if we don't do that, we will lose it. And again, take it from somebody who has seen the panoply of other societies that exist out there. The West is not the default society. The West is an anomaly. Mm -hmm. So lose your fear, stand up, and contribute to the battle of ideas. There's no other way around it. Mm -hmm. By the way, you said testicular fortitude, and I just want to point out how sexist that is. Uh, Women, well, actually, women can't have testicles. We've learned that. Exactly. Uh, You see, you're transphobic, sir. I'm transphobic. transphobic. How did I do? I walked into my own trap. And you know what? I I think I'm going to have to post uh, on TikTok an apology video for my sins. Please do some self-flagellation. I I think so. I I don't think I can even do the five today. I feel so disgusting. Hey, you know, here's – did you see that tweet? I retweeted it and made fun of it by Robert Reich. And he, he he's the left wing economist. Oh, I know who he is. Yeah, I know who he is. Did you? And he said that he's you know after after this national nightmare is over, he was demanding a committee to call oh, out a, a, anyone supporting Troop. And and it, it sounded, I mean, this again, and this is a, a grown up. This is a liberal who does not see that he's surrounded by crocodiles in his own party, and he's just it's like exactly. It, 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 I, uh, anyway. 
I thought I'd bring that Listen, up. Listen, uh, some of the some of the people that you mentioned earlier as being uh, members of the the fight that we're engaging in, I won't mention them just because uh, out of respect of our, for our friendship, mm-hmm. they suffer from such a tragic form of Trump derangement syndrome. Yeah, it's I know. truly baffling, right? Yeah. So it's difficult to see how someone who could be so uh, you know reasoned and well articulate in other contexts could be so hysterical. It's insane, but this demonstrates to you, Greg, that it doesn't matter how intelligent or educated you are. You could be parasitized by idea pathogens just like the rest of us. You know, it's so funny because I have, you know, I have friends who are super smart and I'll get the email, you know, once every three months. Some people don't even talk to me anymore. Uh, (laughs) It's fun, but they're like, Greg, I mean, how are you doing? They do that. They start out the email with Greg. How are you doing? Like, What's going on? And I'm, I know what they're getting at. They're going like, you know, you don't really believe what you're saying because Trump is just an awful person. And then I have to walk through this like this long corridor of like, OK, here are the what are the things that upset you about him? And we have to go through the whole thing. And it's always about uh, the things that he says as opposed yeah. to the things that he does. And I always find that as the opening Words versus deeds. This is a guy who won't send your kids to war, but you might be up. You might be up for a few hours thinking about his tweets. That's a fair trade. If if the tweet, yeah, yeah. You, know, you know, for the media, the fact that the tweets upset you, but we don't have bodies coming back draped in flags. You know, shut the hell up. You should be happy. You know, and but anyway, so I'm like always. Uh, it is amazing to me. I have friends that that are. I mean, I know who you're talking about, yeah. and they're in that same world, and they are. Uh, a lot of it too is with spouses. So if the spouse just despises Trump, he, they they're they're no, like I'll take the obvious. I mean, I'll, uh, no, I can't say his name. I was about to go into a direction that. Uh, but here's the thing: the new left demands no compromise in this. Even if you stay out of politics, and this is what I'm getting at with the, even if you stay out of politics, like I'm not that interested. I like sports uh, and hunting. Well, you're just as complicit because you're silence. If you're not, of course, yeah. If all all roads all roads lead to bigotry. If I yeah. am attracted to black women, mm-hmm. I am a bigot because I'm objectifying their black bodies. Right. If I'm not attracted to black women, I'm a, I'm engaging in sexual racism. So all states of the world re- lead to my being Himmler. That's the beauty of this Kafkaesque trap, right? There is no state of the world that doesn't result in you being a Nazi. That's the beauty of it, right? Yeah. By the way, I just wanted to mention something about the the, the hysteria around Trump mm-hmm. and and say the 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 magic of uh, Obama. There is an expression in Arabic, which I'll translate, of course, in English, which basically says to get drunk by simply smelling the cork of the wine bottle. Mm. So what does that mean, right? I don't need to actually drink the wine to get drunk. I'm so weak and pathetic. pathetic that all it takes is for me to take a whiff of the cork and I'm already massively drunk. This is what happens to those folks, right? Trump disgusts me. He's vile. He's vulgar. On the other hand, Obama, he's so majestic. He's so austere. Not a single syllable that he's ever, ever uttered is not a platitudinal, platitudinous, vacuous bullshit. But yet he is so austere in the way he says it. So he must be somehow a great thinker. They are succumbing to the cork. That is a great point. You know, I've never thought of that, that it doesn't it takes much less effort to express the deep emotion. Right. It's like it's like it's it's like so let's say they've only they've only sniffed the cork. They've only dipped their toe in the water. It is the coldest water I've ever experienced in my life. I cannot believe how cold this water is. And and, but the thing is, uh, um, 
to understand something takes complexity. And when you have the complexity of, 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 of just thinking about it, then it's more like, well, I can understand that Trump uh, might upset you because he seems kind of crass and he's a womanizer. But have you looked at what he's done in the last four years? I mean, there's some of the stuff he's done, you know, you, and then all of a sudden, so the nuance, uh, you can't just smell the cork with Trump. But well, and, and, sorry, go ahead, finish your point. No, but, but your point about it's it's the the high drama of celebrities, the high drama of artists, the high drama of media. It's all smell the cork. It's all it's smell all the cork perfect. about because everything. Climate change. It's all smelling the cork. That's you just you know what you did. You just filled me with an epiphany, I'm, I'm, which you will be repeating. At the five, when you are plugging the parasitic mind, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then I'll keep saying, smell the cork. And then that'll exactly. be the, the name of my next book, smell the cork. <laughs> and then you will be a footnote in my book, ah, smell the cork. Go. Oh, no, it should be stop smelling the cork. Exactly. Stop selling the Okay, I got a roll, Gad. I just want to point out that you have some really good uh, praise. You have Dr. Jordan Peterson, who we all love. You have also the genius Matt Ridley and the great Christina Hoff Summers and Michael Shermer. A lot of good people. I don't know Paul Offit, but I'm going to look him up. Um, but um, it's a great book. I'm going to say the name of it. The Parasitic Mind, How Infectious Ideas Are Killing Common Sense. Um, as Jordan Peterson said, Read this book, strengthen your resolve, and help us all return to reason. Will we Thank return so. to reason? Will we? Yeah, I, we will. Otherwise, there's no point in getting out of bed. That's true. But I like being in bed. So maybe I should <laughs> just stay in bed. Maybe I should right. just – should I just – you know what? There's my next book, My Life as a Woke as – a, as my life – it sounds like a stunt book. My but life I, as a sneaky effort. Yes, <laughs> that's it. I'm going to go woke for a year. But you know what? I have to play it straight. That means I'd have to lose my job at Fox and go live in uh, in Chaz. Uh, in Portland. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right, I got to stop babbling because I'm even getting bored with myself. Doctor, <laughs> <laughs> Doctor said, always a pleasure talking to you. One of the Thank best. Thank you so much. Though. Thank you. Cheers. Take care. You got it. Bye-bye. Put the power of over 100 meteorologists and the worldwide resources of Fox in your hands with the Fox Weather Podcast. Precise, personal, powerful. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.